Wednesday here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, Chris Carter, Lauren Cox talking about quarterbacks in the NFL draft with the combine a week away. It's time to take a closer look at the guys throwing the football. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. He's Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. And we are talking all things NFL here on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast that you can find on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday content from all of our different Locked On NFL hosts all throughout the week. As a reminder, this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins by visiting FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Lauren, while the Steelers certainly could use some help at quarterback, the Bears are the team that are at the front of the conversation about what's going to happen with the quarterback market. And everyone wants to know, about Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, Drake May, and those guys. But I want to talk about how deep of a first-round group this quarterback class might have because that, I think, is one of the more undecided things when we look at this draft class and say, oh, there's three guys, oh, there's four guys, oh, there's five. Some people are putting J.J. McCarthy there. If you were to pick a number for how many quarterbacks you think will actually get picked in the first round this year, where do you settle at right now? I'm I'm stuck between four and five. Like I, I think there are about four guys that are solidly first round guys. And then okay, you get to pick 31, 32. Does a team want to trade up to get that fifth year option on a potential quarterback that they might have otherwise just taken in the second round, but it's valuable enough to move up for to potentially get that fifth year option. But to me, I mean obviously it's it's the, the big three at the top, Caleb Drake and Jaden Daniels. I'm I'm not ready to put JJ McCarthy right there in that conversation. But then it's kind of a question of of how the NFL feels about you know, McCarthy versus Panics versus versus Bo Nix. And I think Michael Pratt from Tulane is in this conversation. Maybe not quite as a first-round guy, but he looked he had some flashes at the senior bowl for sure. So uh, to me, teams always are going to value the quarterback and going to value that option for the fifth year. So we're going to see at least a fourth one go, and I, I, I would suspect maybe a fifth one sneaks in as well. I wouldn't be surprised because, like you said, teams want to find their quarterback of the future and quarterbacks that one position you hit on it one time the right way you don't have to hit on it again for another 15 20 years and that's where teams are trying to look at it at it is trying to find those guys and at the top of the list yeah Caleb Williams Drake May that's the conversation that I know everyone in Chicago is having is like you know they have Justin Fields there's some people that want to keep Justin Fields trade down and you know get another superstar player elsewhere and build around Justin Fields or just go and get the guy that's been like the, pe- the, per- the player that everyone's been waiting to come out of college for the past couple seasons of college football in Caleb, in Caleb Williams. I- I- I'm with you on that Daniels is kind of on the back end-, end of this, but how far down do you think Daniels is compared to a Williams and a May? Whereas like those guys are 1A, 1B, like I think both, of- I think everyone's talking about them going top five, but how much farther do you think Jane Daniels falls down? See, I think every team is going to have a certain flavor of quarterback that they like here. I've certainly heard that some teams don't have Drake May as the number two quarterback on their board. I mean, there's always going to be some level of variation there. But 
like I think we saw last year somebody like Anthony Richardson doesn't end up falling far all the way down to the what was it the fifth overall pick to the Colts like yeah some some teams are going to look at Jane Daniels not that they're exactly the same as as Anthony Richardson but some teams going to look at him and say man big fast strong quarterback with you know with a powerful arm who can outrun anybody on the field and and is not is not frail in that either like uh, let me invest in those tools over a quarterback like a Bo Nix or a JJ McCarthy that you know maybe has had a longer track record of as of high level passing and maybe you think he's you know whatever you want to say a better a better at, at you know going through progressions or better at this or that like I, I see Jaden Daniels go through progressions just fine I see Jaden Daniels mm-hmm. is not just a one read quarterback just despite what some people try and claim he is you can see him going through a progression and making decisions with the ball like to me I I would if I'm the Patriots I would strongly consider him at three and I wouldn't expect him to fall super far you know past a team like the Giants at six I don't I don't feel like he should go any farther than that i still think we can't rule out if he goes number two to washington and then that drake may is the one who goes a little bit farther down i mean as much as much as drake may does a lot of impressive things too we, we are nitpicking when it comes to these quarterbacks but you know what however cliff kingsbury and washington feels about these two guys isn't necessarily how the rest of the nfl is going to feel about these guys all it takes is that team at two to say no we, we actually prefer this quarterback and and then the other one can start to fall yeah, it's certainly. And we've seen that happen before in certain years where, like, you know, the, the Niners trading up for Trey Lance and everyone's like, wait, what? And, and that's shaking up the whole market. Mitch Trubisky being be, being picked picked where he was. There's lots of times where, where what we thought going into a draft night gets completely flipped and turned upside down. J.J. McCarthy has seemed to be rising up people's boards. And I think it's interesting. I, you know, I, I liked his moxie in, in college. I'm not... I'm not sold on him as an NFL quarterback of the future, um, you know, but I get I get some people starting to come around, you know, watching his tape. But the P, I, I, I don't care what anyone tells me. I liked both of these guys and how they played in college, but I am not picking Bo Nix or Michael Penix in the first round. Like if I'm an NFL GM, Bo Nix, like the Steelers do what they're going through with Kenny Pickett. That is very much what Bo Nix represents, like a guy who stayed in, in college football for a long time, had some really good numbers, you know, in the in the right situation, uh, but will be 24 in his rookie year and doesn't have an extreme build. Like he's he's 6'2". He's, there's a lot of similarities there with what the Steelers are going through with Kenny Pickett. And then Michael Penix, and I loved Michael Penix when he was at Indiana. I saw him beat Penn State. I saw him do a lot of great things. He has he has the leadership. He has a lot of intangibles that you love. But the guy gets hurt so often. Even in that national championship game, you can see him holding his side after like every throw. It's at, at some point. If those guys are around the second and third rounds, different story to me. But that's why I, I just I I actually I'm not sure if this if we'll get to see uh five five quarterbacks slap draft in the first round. Unless you said someone gets really desperate, which happens all the time. But I just I I'm I'm very shaky on McCarthy, Knicks, and Penix as guys that I would if I was a GM I would put my first round pick on right now. I feel very similarly, like personally, it just seems like reading between the tea leaves. I mean, everyone's saying JJ McCarthy's mm-hmm. going to go earlier than we expect, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think Michael Penix is a guy who like down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl like looked. The way he throws the ball, throws the prettiest ball. It's the kind of thing where it's like he, he feels like the player to me that when teams watch him throw at the combine at the pro day, they'll start to fall in love with what they see right in front of them and, and maybe veer a little bit away from what they saw on tape because they see the physical tools. And, man, it's just a natural thrower of the football. And even though that doesn't necessarily translate to being a great NFL quarterback and that, that means you should draft him, still 
teams will fall in love or coaches will fall in love with that and go, man, it just, just looks the way I want it to look for my quarterback. And maybe we can, maybe we can bump him up our board a little bit. Whereas I think somebody like Bo Nix, like you said, has sort of the resume, but when you start to dig into it a little bit, like all that falls down a little bit for me too, where it's like, okay, like he takes care of the ball and game manages really, really well. And that's worth, something and i mean heck mac jones was a was a mid first round pick so never say never like that's mm-hmm. of easy again where it's like you got enough of these quarterback needy teams i think what we'll get into in a minute here that somebody's gonna have to take a shot at these guys at some point it's just a matter of whether they're confident enough to do it in round one or if they think okay well maybe we can wait until round two and and that, that involves them not getting a big quarterback in free agency either Absolutely. I want to talk about some of the other positions here in the draft. We'll get back to the quarterback talk and where we can see some of the trades happening, where people might want to be aggressive here. We'll get to all of that here on the Wednesday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. Chris Carter, Lauren Cox, stick with us. We got a lot more to discuss. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by FanDuel. With so many great chances to win, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. And even now, with uh, with, with football season be, being done, your season isn't done because there's still FanDuel. And new customers at FanDuel can get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. FanDuel gives you so many ways to win, especially now, now at this time of the year. Every night, you got NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so many so many more ways to win with all the action and sports going on right now. There's so many different ways to take advantage, too, on top of different ways to bet. You can make quick bets. You can make live same-game parlays, exclusive prop bets, and there's so many different ways to win when you sign up for FanDuel today. And again, new customers, if you join right now, you can get $150 back in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins to take advantage of that go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up today that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel an official sportsbook partner of the nba we're back here on the wednesday edition of the locked on nfl podcast chris carter lauren cox going over uh nfl draft talk here let's talk about where we see some of these other positions that are really deep and really talented this year, because Lauren, I I think there's quite a few groups that could change though. And this is where I think teams are going to have to make those tough decisions. If you take that stab at one of those later first round quarterbacks, or do you want to get in early on, you know, the cornerback class or the offensive tackle class, if you were to pick two classes that you think are the deepest of this year, when you look at the list of prospects and you're most excited to see who are the two position groups that you look at and you say, this is the year to get that group of guys. I hate to take the one that it feels like we, we say every year, but it, it's true, man. Like this wide receiver group is, is great. Like, and it, it's great at the top and there's some real depth to it too. And you mm-hmm. don't always get both of that. Sometimes it's like, okay, there's one great prospect and then a big gap. And then a bunch of guys that are all about the same, but like this year it's like, no, you got Marvin Harrison and Romeo Dunze and Malik Neighbors and such at the top, and then you don't have to go much farther down. You get guys like Lad McConkey and uh, uh, Ricky Persall from Florida, Keon Coleman, some of these Troy Franklin from Oregon, and then you keep going down a little bit farther. You got like Tez Walker and Xavier Leggett and Malachi Corley and Jacob Cowing. Like you've got guys at every spot in this draft where it's not like okay, I got to get my wide receiver. You know, like with the Bears at nine, right? You got to get your wide receiver at, at nine, like. The best one, sure, but like if you wait and you can, if you get a second round pick or something, there's going to be good receivers there. If you can wait to the third round, it's going to be obviously less good receivers, but like every spot in this draft, you feel like I'm pretty close to where there's going to be guys there that I can feel comfortable with. And I'll also throw a kind of a wild card out there, like not a, not a position that's going to be a first round position, but just has some good depth there. How about safety? Feels like this Ooh. thing. 
you know, again, you're not no no one in the top 32, maybe not even that many guys in the top 50, but like between that, like, you know, 40 to 45 range to like even a hundred, like there's four or five or six guys in that range that you feel like, yeah, I could get a starting caliber safety day, uh, day two of this draft at, at a bunch of different spots, maybe even early day three. Listen, I'm very much, I've been looking at the safety market a lot because I think the Steelers need a strong safety to pair with Minka Fitzpatrick. And there's a lot of guys who I think really fit the bill. Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota. You know, he's a guy that I think maybe not a first rounder, but probably somewhere in this, in the second round, I've liked Jaden Hicks. And, and it's also real funny looking at big boards and stuff. Like you look at PFF's big boards, you look at these guys, big boards here, there, everywhere. And it's so funny to see guys move up and down so drastically. Like if you talked about Jaden Hicks out of Washington state a month ago, he was like, he looked at it as like a fourth round pick. Now he's looking like, Oh no, that guy's a second round pick because people are just starting to catch up and watch their tape and be like, Oh no, he is that guy. And so um, I think you're seeing that like, you know, a guy like Cameron Kid- Kinchins out of Miami, he, he had five interceptions. I think everyone was was so drawn to that. But when they looked at how much he was targeted, and I covered him in the ACC. So, like, I knew I know who he is. And he's a good safety. But he dropped from kind of being, like, the top safety to more like the third-round pick that, that you're looking at there. So, I, I agree. Like, that's a good class. And even even other guys. Like, you look at Tyke Smith, who blew it up in the Senior Bowl week. Like, he, he had a great Senior Bowl week of, and everything. He shows ability to cover in the slot as well as play, you know, ranging safety. He's looked at right now. Now, it's like a fourth round pick for guys. So I like that safety pick here as far as the depth there. But the position that I, I think could be among the deepest is cornerback because there are so many guys that I think could be CB1s on their team. And everyone's going to know about, you know, Quinion Mitchell and Terion Arnold and Cooper DeGene and, and those guys. But even if you go down a little bit, like Kyrie Jackson out of Oregon, I've, I loved him. And when I saw people were like not sure where he'd be drafted, I'm like, that's a sleeper pick, in, in my opinion. I think he's 6'3", runs well, covers well. Um, I, I loved his tape. But even if you go down into like those guys that are still in the middle r- ranges, I like Max Melton out of Rutgers, Kalen King out of, out of Penn State. There, there's guys in this draft class uh, at, at corner. And it's funny, wide receiver and corner, because you know, that was the first group that, that you mentioned. It, it seems like because of how those position groups are being trained so much going from high school to college, that every year – we're finding more and more really talented groups that you could kind of pick from. And it puts less pressure on needing to sign those guys uh, to long-term deals, unless they're the superstar that you want to build everything around in that room. How about on the flip side, the, the shallow positions that stand up to me right away, like, okay. Tight end. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Brock Bowers and, and, and then a, a very steep drop right afterwards. Yeah. I do go, like Jadavian Sanders. I do like Jadavian Sanders. Yeah. I think he'd be good. It's like, it's like Bowers and then there's a block and then Sanders. And then it feels like there's, there's almost another block. It's like, okay, maybe you could fall in love with like Ben Sinnott from Kansas State or Theo Johnson from Penn State. I, I like as well. But like we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, day three type tight ends here like it's it is not a group especially compared to last year where you were drowning in tight ends oh yeah good guys like i wanted i thought every team should draft at a tight end last season last draft if they could because it's never that deep and it's it was a bunch of guys and you just never know when you're gonna hit, hit a year like this and i also feel like the running back class is sh- pretty shallow this season mm-hmm. like there's there's some it's never like bleak it's not as bad as tight end but you don't have anybody in the first round conversation you got a couple no. of second round guys maybe but it's a lot of like 
day three guys, and you start to it feels like you're getting closer to scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit, especially compared to recent years where there's been such a glut of running backs and but you know the league doesn't value them. So really good guys have been falling to the second and third and fourth, fifth rounds. Like this year, there's guys you can get guys if you need one, but not like much like tight end. You're not you're not swimming in it the way you were last season. Yeah, I'm right with you on on the on the running back conversation. You know, I, it's it's not a position I have to look up too much uh, because of the Steelers situation. They like both their their top two guys, uh, but as far as like you know, guys that that wowed me in college, and I do I cover college football for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and like there's nobody there that I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. Like like every year, like I, I can look at I can look at all these other positions. Like, you know, you, you you mentioned Brock Bowers, obviously jumps off the off the off the plate. You know, uh, off, offensive tackle, like offensive lineman. I know about Fashanu out of Penn State, uh, Fuaga out of Oregon State. You know, the the SEC guys like Mims and Mims and Latham, like all those guys, I'm I'm aware of. I can't think of a running back that like I, I know Will Shipley because I covered him at, at Clemson over the years, but like uh, there's there's not a group there's not a guy there that stands out, and there's not a group of guys that I think kind of you know puts together a really strong like day two market for the position. Like you were saying, it's safety. I also think linebacker is another position that could be a, a good day two market. You know, maybe you know someone sneaks in the first round if someone gets really aggressive with that position. Uh, um, but like guys like Peyton Wilson, Edrin Cooper, Jeremiah Trotter, um, all those type of guys, I think there's at least like four or five linebackers that if you took on the day two of the draft, they could be projected to be starters in their rookie seasons and guys you could build around at that position. Yeah, but but another spot that like, you know, there's a handful of guys and then, you know, After that yeah. it's a little spotty. So then, you, got, you know, you feel like it's another one of those spots where it's like you got to get them in that spot or else – your SOL, like, and, and that's that's always that pressure on GMs where it's like, okay, well, I want to get a linebacker in this class. I got to get him in the, you know, mid to late second round, third round, or else I I, got, I can't get him at all. And then you all of a sudden get that pressure to trade up and make sure that you can go get your guy when that desperation create, or when that, you know, the, the sort of supply and demand there, the lack of supply creates some of that desperation to make sure we get that guy that we need to, that can be the cornerstone of our defense or, I mean, any position you're trying to move up for. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I want to talk to you, though. So now that we've gone over some of the deeper classes, I think that's where it always has to be looked at as, as far as teams that want to move up or move around for a quarterback, or do they want to go and get, like, say, a J.C. Latham falls into, like, the, the, the upper teens, and you're sitting there, and you're like, well, I didn't plan on taking that guy, but he's, like, my favorite offensive tackle in this draft class, and you got to jump over an opportunity like, like that. I think it's going to be interesting to weigh what teams are happy to stay there and which teams are ready to move to go get their guy at that one of those positions or also at quarterback. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Chris Carter, Lauren Cox, stick with us. Still got a lot to discuss. Back here on the Locked On NFL podcast, Chris Carter, Lauren Cox, the Wednesday edition. All right, Lauren, I'm gonna I'm gonna work. We're gonna work our way through. Uh, let's do the top 15 teams here that, that have that have picks in, in this year's draft class, and I want to go over which are the teams that you think are most likely to be aggressive and try to move up, down, whatever in this draft class. I'm surprised you didn't want to go to 20 just for, you know, just throwing out a random number there. <laughs> just a random, no reason, nothing, nothing that could make me want to go to 20. I know uh, because 20 is interesting, but I feel like 15 is like where, like that's where like the range of like the aggressive trades to get up sure. into like the top five 
you know, kind of, kind of, kind of stop. Um, top 10 could be interesting, but let, let's stick with 15 and we can work our way down uh, a little bit after that. Uh, but the Bears obviously have two first round picks of the top 10 first overall from their Panthers trade ninth overall. Um, uh, it was their natural pick. You have the commanders at two, the Patriots at three, the Cardinals at four, Charters at five, Giants at six, Titans at seven, Falcons at eight, Jets at 10, uh, Vikings at 11, Broncos at 12. Uh, Raiders at 13, Saints at 14, and then Colts at 15. There are some QB needy teams uh, in, in that mix here. If you're sitting, if you're looking around and, you know, the Bears, they have the first overall pick. They can choose whether or not they want to take Caleb Williams or their quarterback of choice and then figure out what they want to do after. But if you're looking at that after, at that group afterwards, who are the teams you think could be the movers and shakers on draft day that do make trades up and down the board? It's funny. When you look at that top 15, like, I think there are three teams in there that I would be shocked if they drafted a quarterback. And the other 12, you mm-hmm. could at least have a conversation about. Not that they're all on the same footing. Like, Arizona is not taking a quarterback at four. The Chargers aren't taking a Chargers, quarterback at five. No. And the Colts aren't taking one at 15. But, like, no. every other team, varying degrees, you wouldn't be – it wouldn't be you know, shocking if the Saints took a quarterback at 14 mm-hmm. or – even the Jets with Aaron Rodgers at 10, the Titans at seven, like those are probably some of the less likely teams, but you know, new regime in Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera. Like any of those teams, you could talk yourself into being a potential quarterback team. So that's great for, I guess the bears at nine are also one of those spots where they're not going to take a quarterback at nine if they take one at one. So that's another right. non QB spot. But I, I've heard of the giants are potentially a wild card to move up into the top three to go out and really get that guy mm. from the franchise. But it's, it's really like, Minnesota, Denver, and Atlanta that you feel like are, are kind of the big ones that Bears fans have had circled for a long time. The Raiders the Raiders will throw in there as well. Now, how many of those teams are really willing to go out? I know Denver's a little short on draft picks as is, so I don't feel like there's a ton of room for them to move up, but Atlanta's definitely the one that's got some, some extra juice to work with here, and you wonder if a ready-made spot for a quarterback. I mean, they might trade for Justin Fields first, but if they don't and they don't sign anybody, that, that could be a great spot for a rookie quarterback. I, I I do think that there's there's some interesting spots that you can land here. The Giants are an interesting team because you, you signed like when they gave that contract to Danny Dimes, I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know about that. And now here they are reaping the the repercussions for that. Um, but the Falcons certainly with their new regime and everything that they're trying to put together, they don't have a quarterback for the future right now. Uh, their team there and the the Jets are in such a peculiar situation because like. You, you went and you got Aaron Rodgers, and then last year was over in three seconds. Um, and like you could totally go for a quarterback again, but if you do, you're kind of acknowledging, like, hey, you're not adding to this team right now with Aaron Rodgers. And if you're Robert Sala, you know, what's what's your timetable, right? Because you know, he this year didn't go well. There were lots of talk about you know his place and what he was doing with New York. If he if he drafts a quarterback, that could be a quarterback that doesn't help him this year. If Aaron Rodgers is the guy, and that could and if they have another losing season, he might not see that guy come come to fruition. I I think there's some interesting you know things that could be at play here. You know, I'd be interested in the Vikings at 11. I think they could be a sneaky team that could try to do do something there and move up and say, hey, let's go get our quarterback of the future. But um, certainly the top three teams all could make make those moves right now. You know, Washington has no reason to be married to Sam Howell, the Patriots to Mac Jones. Um, and of course, the, the, the Bears have Justin Fields. But I think there could be some some interesting things they, they could do with Fields. It's interesting. The New York Giants, I think, are the only team in this range that 
needs a quarterback and has two second round picks this year. Like they, they've got mm. some ammunition to move there. Whereas and I mean, I mean like Washington has extra picks and some of the other teams like in, in Arizona has extra picks, but they're not, you know, they're not looking to move up for a quarterback there, but the giants are the ones that have a little bit of the extra ammunition there. And they're also one of the closest teams, you know, they'd have to give up the least compared to, you know, Atlanta and, and Minnesota and, and Las Vegas, where it's like, okay, these are multiple, you know, future first round picks plus other draft pick stuff kind of, cripple your franchise a little bit more the Giants probably have to give them a future first and a current second or something but like it's a little bit easier to absorb a move from say six to three than from 13 to two you know when we saw that last year with the Panthers how, how not that Carolina is necessarily regretting their move but like that's I mean the Chicago Bears are still reaping the rewards from that they got an extra pick next year as well from that trade from last year like it it's gonna hurt the Panthers for a while and to be able to make you know that big of a move up for a team drafting in the teens like where we get back in the conversation that we started with where it's like okay if you're the saints at 14 you're gonna try and you know salvage your future to try and move up from these guys or just stay there and take jj mccarthy or bo nix or michael Penix. like they're not they're not Jaden daniels they're not drake may but it's you're, you're weighing bo nix and your other draft picks versus giving up all those draft picks to go get another quarterback and it's always a little bit of a crapshoot anyway so is it worth taking the risk to move up for a guy when your odds aren't that much worse to just stay at 14 and take who may end up falling there. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's always a risk that every year you have to calculate if you're in the QB market. And that's the thing, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with that with Pittsburgh right now. Every, every, every week it's a discussion. Do how aggressive should they be to fix quarterback? Um, you know, you know, should they, should they trade up while well, they still have obvious needs across the roster? That's a, you know, that, that's a position that when you're in, it is a tough call every single year until you find your quarterback of the future. And then you could start to do things after that. Um, But I I also look at not just quarterback needy teams per se, but quarterback teams that if they get a quarterback, all of a sudden they are a problem because of the talent that they have around their roster. Some people put the Steelers in that conversation, um, you know, with, 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 with their play. I mean, they made the playoffs with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph basically winning all their games this past, this past season. Um, But, you know, I look at other teams and I wonder like, you know, could the Broncos make a run if they if they actually got quarterback right and, and put some things together? Um, if the Colts just had a healthy quarterback, you know, like how good would they have been with Anthony Richardson l- last year? Um, you know, I think that there's there's certainly teams that are in that conversation. The Falcons are a team. They added a lot in free agency. They had they have they put weapons around the offense, but they haven't had a quarterback to conduct it. And that was, that was another thing like. That was a team that when Arthur Smith was hired, he was originally banking on Matt Ryan being the guy for, for, for three years. Then after one year, he was gone. And it was like, well, uh, guess Tyler Heineke and, or Taylor Heineke and uh, Desmond Ritter are the options. So, like, th- there are some teams out there that I think could propel themselves into serious conversations if they get the right quarterback. And I think it's always interesting to see if those teams become the most aggressive on draft day. Yeah, I feel like you got a couple dark horses in that conversation. I mean, like, can I throw out a team like, dare I say, the Las Vegas Raiders that were, you know, yeah, no. Aiden O'Connell? I mean, not that, I mean, they've got, they certainly have some holes in their, in, as far as talent goes. And we got to see how free agency, what happens with Josh Jacobs. And certainly they need to add a little more to that defense. But like, Aiden O'Connell got them to be the, what are they, the 13th overall? I mean, eight and eight and nine last season mm-hmm. with, a, with a fourth round rookie quarterback that no one really thought could do anything. Like, yeah. If, if that becomes a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels, I mean, it's I mean the same thing with the free agent conversation. But they sign a Kirk Cousins or someone like that. Like that's a team that 
they're not going to win that division. <laughs> right. But like they could be in the playoff conversation and Atlanta being in an easy division certainly makes this a, a different conversation. And I don't know we haven't even mentioned like if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't get Baker Mayfield back. That's something. where I was going next. Yeah. They're, they're in this quarterback conversation all of a sudden, but they're down at 26. It's a little bit, a little bit tricky to move from that far down, but maybe uh, just grab whoever falls all the way down to there and take that fifth year option and roll with them. Yeah, certainly that, and that's, that's another one of those teams that like, you know, you had good veteran play from a guy you signed in free agency, you know, but what do you do? You, how, how committed are you to that? Can you bring a person like that back? Um, and, or do you want to try and find that rookie that, that you built everything around, but also they're going to be losing like Mike Evans, most likely to free agency. And that, that also makes it harder on a rookie, on a rookie quarterback when you don't have one of the bigger playmaker wide receivers that made a lot of things happen for your offense over the years. But point being, there's a lot of teams that are going to be here on the table that are going to be looking to make moves, being aggressive. And with the quarterback, you know, draft class that you're seeing here and the deep draft classes elsewhere, I think that it's this is this could be one of those strategical years where you see some GM careers get made and some GM careers come to an end because they bet too much on the wrong horse or the wrong trade to make that happen. And those can be the very things that uh, end up being talked about for years to come because they either make or break a franchise. Yeah, ultimately that's what makes this this so much fun and where we we it's so easy to go through all the different scenarios and fall in love with like it's like it's like playing franchise mode for all 32 teams at the same time. It's like, oh, what if this quarterback goes here and if if the Bears draft a quarterback, Fields goes somewhere, and if Washington drafts a quarterback, does someone trade for Sam Howell? Does someone trade for Mr. Mm-hmm. Ritter? Like there's mm-hmm. the sort of the, the secondary effects of like, okay, the, the Saints draft a quarterback. Is Derek Carr become available? Like, okay, there's 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 a lot of different ways where the, the dominoes will not stop falling here until well after the draft is over. Absolutely. And to keep you up to date with all those dominoes, stay stay tuned with the Locked On NFL podcast and all of our NFL podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Lauren, thanks as, as always for filling in for us. We appreciate you. Uh, shout out to James Rapine. He wasn't able to make today, but uh, we will hopefully have him on next week. Lauren, let people can find you, follow you and get more of your work. Of course, you can hear me five days a week on the Locked On Bears podcast and you can follow me on X slash Twitter at Cox Sports One. Absolutely. He's Lauren Cox. Check him out on Locked on Bears. I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com for all my written work there. You can also find me on the Locked on Steelers podcast every Monday through Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube, just like you can find Lauren's show, Locked on Bears, and this show, Locked on NFL. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, we got a whole other episode with our Thursday host coming up right here on the Locked on NFL podcast.